Hello there, Millennium Line listeners. Connor Tui here. Happy to be back for another episode of Retail Innovation. Today, we are talking about accelerating digital transformation for retail e-commerce using modern technology strategies. And I'm here with North America's leading composable commerce consultancy and systems integrator who specializes in composable commerce, customer data, and retail platform engineering, which is Orium. Here to discuss Orium and all things retail innovation, we have Thomas Mulreed, the head of sales at Orium, who brings a pretty deep understanding of the composable and headless commerce ecosystem and the future it holds to major brand transformation projects. He specializes in emerging experiences such as marketplace, omnichannel, CDP, social commerce, retail capabilities, and Mac architectures, plus a lot more. So we're happy to have him here. Thomas, welcome to the podcast and how you doing? Thank you very much, Connor. I think that's uh, one of the best combos of buzzwords I've ever heard in an intro to uh, anything I've done before. So appreciate you getting through that tongue twister of an introduction. <laughs> happy to and happy to have you here. So I want to dive right into it. And could you talk a little bit about just to introduce Orium to the audience, a little bit of brief history and the mission that you have there? Yeah, absolutely. If you've never heard of Orium before, I completely understand, especially if you're based in the US. We're an above the border based organization. So our teams are predominantly focused in, in Canada. We have about 200 folks there and we've got another 100 folks that are based in Latin America as well. And Orium's main focus is specifically around some of the words that Connor had mentioned there, but Mac and composable commerce will be some of the biggest statements of the work that we do. So what that really means is we focus on very, very modern frameworks and architectures and technologies to help our retail customers be successful in what they're trying to achieve in their customer experiences. And where our key focus of delivery is, is around services and systems integration. And we have team members that can range across product strategy, design, development, architecture, data, and even in-store experiences that we build out for our customers. That's awesome. I want to talk about all the cool work that's being done there. What is digital transformation in the context of retail e-commerce? And you know, why is it crucial for, for businesses today who are wanting that omni-channel experiences for their customers spanning web and wearables and mobile? Yeah, I think it's a, a really good question because digital transformation, just like personalization or data, it's one of those words that just gets bucketed in as it's a word, a buzzword that people people think is is a catch-all for everything. And digital transformation, at least to me or to us at Orium, is a very specific thing. It's a, it's a change of mentality, a change of approach. It's really a new thing that you're introducing to the organization. And maybe to give a really clear example, what isn't digital transformation to me is I've got a commerce solution and I want to add search. Or I've got a commerce engine today and I want to add a little tool that helps me increase conversion a little bit in my checkout flow. Those are just features. Those are just projects. For us, what digital transformation is, is a level of upskilling or maturity to how you're approaching your entire organization and your mentality around what digital is in that company. And that's where a big focus for us is around these this approach of composable commerce as one of the newer uh, frameworks that that brands are really leaning into and, and adopting types of technologies that support that composability of a tech stack rather than buying a big technology that can service many different things in your organization. 
So I want to dive into some of these buzzwords that that uh, we might have mentioned at the the intro in terms of like composable tech and mock technologies. You know, what are these? What are the key advantages that uh, that you're seeing out there that these types of technologies bring to businesses, specifically in the retail sector? Yeah, absolutely. So so maybe if I start off with some framing, I mean, the word mock is usually a new word to most people I speak to. Now, I've been working at Orium for four years now. And when I started working in the organization, the word didn't even exist. So I'm very understanding to when people are saying, hey, I've never heard that word before. Frankly, most people haven't heard this word before. But what Mac specifically stands for is microservices, API first, cloud native and headless technologies. And it's really a, a framework or, or a very specific set of ways that technology is built to be able to deliver value to an organization. And of course, the technologies that are in the space before a Mac solution, they're adapting to it. Of course, the word API didn't exist 10 years ago, and now it's become very popular. So what Mac really is, is a way that you follow a specific set of criteria to know that you have a standard of your technology. And then where composable commerce comes in is to compose multiple Mac solutions together to build out what is traditionally an all-in-one solution. And the reason why it's very differentiated is that there's a lot less scope in the roles of the technology that you have when you're following Mac. And to give a, give a bit of an explanation to this, what is traditionally an e-commerce engine, let's call it Salesforce or SAP Hybris or Adobe like Magento. Um, instead, you're actually going to bring in best of breed technologies for each of the capabilities that you have. And if I just think of a standard Salesforce deployment and what is traditionally an all-in-one website, what a Mac set of criteria might look like instead is a commerce tools for the commerce engine portion, contentful or a content stack for the CMS portion, and then an Algolia or a constructor for the search capabilities, and then maybe a front-end hosting solution that hosts all of your front-end and web traffic to be more performant. And the really big nuance is, well, what do you really want to lean into? Do I want to have an all-in-one that will service most 80% of my use cases, but then is a little bit more opinionated and less flexible? Or instead, do I want to bring in these four different technology solutions that have huge roadmaps that are just focused on one specific thing like search or content management or the checkout experience of your website, and then compose them together in a much more flexible way that you can build custom features on, you can extend them, you can really choose your own path of how you're building these technologies. And Usually the benefits are similar to what, what you would expect here is you've got more flexibility in your technology. You've got a faster time to market because you're building modules of your tech stack instead of all big bang changes every time you need to do something. And you're ultimately delivering a better customer experience to the market. And those all coming together is obviously a much, much bigger upside to your customer and your revenue and your bottom line than being full of workarounds and having a lot of tech debt in your, in your long-term strategy. I want to get into Orium a bit. And I know uh, one of the biggest goals at Orium is not just to meet your customers' expectations, but to help exceed them at every touch point. So what are the driving forces behind the adoption of composable commerce strategies and these types of technologies? 
Yeah, I think it's 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 a big part of our mission and our vision at, at Orium is to really help brands adopt to this approach because of course, like I've mentioned, it is a newer strategy for retail brands. And some of the big steps that we've made made, and like I mentioned, I'm at the company four years now, and the words that I'm talking about here didn't even exist when I first joined the organization. So we've we've taken a lot of steps to help people understand and learn very quickly. Um, one of the, the shameless plugs I might put in is there's actually a sponsored thought leadership hub of composable.com. That is a place where we talk about master classes, we talk about customer case studies, we talk about thought leadership and how to adopt. In fact, we've even open sourced some technologies there to be able to adopt some of these composable approaches. So we have actually really leaned into education in the market as Orium are obviously a smaller organization, but we have quite a loud opinion as it relates to what composable commerce is and what it will become. So we have spent a lot of time educating a lot of our customers and a lot of the market about that approach. But I also think we've spent a lot of time within our partners. And like I mentioned, instead of one technology, you've got four for the equivalent. So we work with a huge list of these best of breed solutions in the market. And we spend a lot of time digesting what are the best ones for what brands or what are the use cases that a customer could use. And we try to be really, really prescriptive with our customers to say, you know, based on what you look like, based on the projects we've seen before, based on other references, we think this is the technology for you and really help people make decisions and test and try different adoptions of what composable commerce strategies are. What I also might mention is projects are a lot smaller and smaller in increments. It's one of the things that, let's be honest, nobody in 2023 is getting their budget tripled and saying, sure, work for 24 months and then maybe show me some ROI. <laughs> one of the benefits that Composable Commerce is giving to brands is you can do one thing at a time. You can just start with your search project or you can start with your content management project or your order management project. So you don't have to rip out your entire enterprise suite and replace it and then say, did we actually get more value out of that? What we've been helping customers do is deliver projects in three and six month increments that have that ROI that's tangible within a 12 month period so that you can earn the right to go and do your next project. And when I talk about this digital transformation and how it's not really just a project, it can start with a project and over time evolve into a bigger narrative for your company. And that's a way that we've really seen big adoption for Composable Commerce this year is just try a small project that resolves a very direct pain point, use a Mac technology to do that, and then prove to your organization that the next and the next and the next is going to deliver the same benefits. That's a perfect segue into my next question. As you mentioned, these best of breed technology solutions, helping brands scale and innovate. What are the core technologies that form the foundation of these Composable Commerce architectures? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, a lot of brands we talk to have 20 years of a homegrown system or have always just said, you know, no, we're a Shopify shop or we're a Salesforce company. So when we need a new thing, we ask our Salesforce team what we need. So what I would say is with the maturity of the retail space and how fast it's moving, it has become to break down into these modules over time. In, to the point where we've even seen some of these more, you know, historically all-in-one solutions like a Shopify and Salesforce, they have broken their own tech stack into these modules that we're really seeing as, as the modules of a retail or commerce platform. 
Content management is a huge one, being able to not rely on your dev teams and being able to change page layouts, content, schedule changes to your content, have really good SEO. That's a big one that we've seen huge adoption around. The search space has become so, so interesting. Obviously with AI and generative AI that's developing now, the search solutions are really leaning into how to use machine learning to better conversion. You still have that commerce platform itself, although it plays a little bit more of a distinct role. The checkout, the carts, the promotions, the APIs that you're feeding into that. Order management is another one that we've seen broken out from the ERPs. And then probably the final one is PIM, product information management. That's really a central place to be able to manage all of your product data within your organization. And instead of having to go through 16 different systems to be able to launch a new SKU on your website, you have one single place where you're building it, editing the content, entering in, and then allowing it to feed to your website. So there's probably six or seven different systems that come together to make a composable commerce stack, but it's really about time. Like you don't need to start with seven. We recommend you start with one, you mature into it over time, and you go as composable as you need to, to drive results in your business. It's not technology for technology's sake. It's really technology for business value. Yeah. And that's great because that's what brands are looking for. Speaking of these technologies and perhaps starting with one and then building on, on that, how are these technologies facilitating flexibility and helping brands scale and creating that innovation in retail operations? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll avoid the, the goading towards talking about the APIs and the performance because I'm not the right person to definitely dig into that one, although I could go deep if I had to. I really think a lot of this is around how they're built. Technology is moving so fast that a lot of the companies in this space are less than a decade old or really only at that point. So trying to retrofit older architected solutions into these modern needs is is frankly something that is is lackluster when it comes down to actually delivering them and being able to just adopt a platform it's like oh can we call the api of that of course you can because it's built api first oh can we scale to 10x the traffic on that solution well yes you can it's a cloud native solution if you grow that grows um so being able to lean back into the principles of what mac specifically is and making sure that they can scale as much as your business needs to really helps you sleep at night in terms of some of the comfort levels. And we've got endless stories about customers that, you know, they're just about to kick off a project and then they ask you the question, oh, well, what do we do for load testing? Or what do we do for, you know, the DevOps when we have Black Friday traffic? And one of the nice things is you don't have to worry about it anymore. These are cloud native solutions. Like if a million people show up on your website tomorrow because you launched a new product and for some reason it went viral on Instagram, this, this solution's just going to scale to infinite because that's what they're designed to do. And they have SLAs to prove that they can do it as well. So I think being able to adopt into these modern frameworks and modern technologies is, is giving people a lot more comfort at night as well. Well, Thomas, I do want to talk just briefly about implementing APIs. What are some of the best practices for implementing APIs in a composable commerce environment? Yeah, I think I think a big one that we've learned, and maybe I'm a little bit biased here as a systems implementer, but leaning into experts is, is one of the things that we've really seen good reward from. We've seen brands in the past, oh, we can do this ourselves. We know how to. Um, oh, we don't need anyone externally. We've already done stuff like this before. 
being able to have a partner that can tell you what best practices are and tell you the shortcuts to get there is really important for the success of your projects. Another one that we've really leaned into at Orium is accelerators. As this maturity of this space is is coming along, we've really seen like, great, like you don't have to build every line of code of your website. Of course, there's more customization because it's headless, but really if if we can start you off with the 50 or 60% of the website that you're going to need, I mean, you probably don't need to spend two or three weeks building the footer of your homepage. So what can we bring to the table to be able to speed up the implementation time in the first place? And spend the time actually customizing an amazing PDP page or a homepage that really stands out and differentiates yourself from your competition. They're the areas that you want to spend your time on projects. So accelerators have really helped pre-compose a lot of these technologies together and get you a faster time to market as well. Great. So, you know, one of the things that I will say C-level executives love are good examples of how solutions like this could work. You know, at Orium, you're shaping how organizations use technology so, Tom, could, could you share some examples of how retailers that have excelled in providing that exceptional customer journey through using composable commerce? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, again, four years ago, when I started working in this space, you'd be pretty high and dry if you're looking for referenceability as it related to who's done this before. But it's surprisingly <laughs> grown and the adoption of this space has done nothing short of amaze me. But if you walk down any high street retailer these days, you're starting to see what this adoption looks like. So if I could list off brands like a Sephora, an Ulta Beauty, an AT&T, uh, an LL Bean, a lot of these organizations have not only you know started to think about what implementing Mac and composable commerce is, but have completely biased their whole organization of this is the way we want to do things in the long term. A really great one I like referring back to is somebody like M&M's. You think of Mars and, you know, they're selling food, very B2B and B2C focus, but they've completely reimagined their M&M's use case and what they're doing from an in-store perspective, what personalized M&M's are and how you can order that. And they've completely re-architected their whole model to be able to deliver around Mac and its capabilities. One that I really like speaking to a customer of ours is Harry Rosen. Harry Rosen were originally, you know, through the COVID days, every single store in Canada got closed. And they said, oh, okay, if we're going to do it, let's go do it the right way. And they re-platformed everything over a five-month period. And they've got some amazing metrics around 3Xing their online business, being able to have 99% plus uptime across all of this, and then also being able to drive huge innovation through their organization. So they've launched an additional brand. They've got omni-channel capabilities. They've got associate tooling. So there's some really good examples of not only have they done an e-commerce website itself, but actually delivering retail use cases within a composable commerce approach. Because it's so still rather new, what advice would you give to retail businesses that are possibly looking to embark on this journey of composable commerce? One of the things, if I go back to a lot of our clients and, you know, a lot of the conversation I'm fortunate enough to have with them. And when I asked them after the project, hey, if you could go do this again, what would you do differently? Readiness is often a big one. I mean, we spend a lot of time getting an organization ready throughout our cycle before the project, but internal preparation, project management, have you got all your alignment Honestly, is, is your C-suite actually aligned to what you're doing? Of course, there's words and alignment and approvals and budgets, but do they know that Mac and Composable Commerce is different to what you're doing today? 
some of that readiness is is where we get a lot of feedback of it's so hard to get ready but once you're ready you can run 10 times faster preparedness is a big one and then oftentimes it's around thinking about the pros and cons of your roadmap i mean i don't recommend doing a commerce project the same year that your erp is getting ripped out at the same time so sitting in a boardroom for six or seven hours with your whole team and saying over the next three or four years, what are we going to change in our technology strategy? And how do we take those considerations in to all of the technology decisions we're making now? That would be some of my feedback to to best approach it. And honestly, there's some of my favorite sessions to run because maybe I'm a nerd, maybe I'm in, in the weeds too much, but I love talking about the boxes of project timelines and different things that you can do to to prolong the life of technology, but also then to move into opportunities you have with your customer experiences. That's awesome. And of course, I appreciate your time talking with us on a podcast and potentially new clients that you could be working with. So I know you're a busy guy, Thomas. And since this is still rather new, I would like to get your thoughts perhaps on the future of this technology and and where you see it really going and perhaps another you know, five to 10 years and how it, exploring composable commerce is really going to transform and innovate the retail industry. At least one of my hopes is seeing the growth that we have at Orium, seeing the growth of the composable commerce space. I suspect it's a bit less of that buzzword and a new word to most people in four or five years from now. I do think we're going to see a lot of the more incumbent technologies in the commerce and the retail space move towards a more module architecture. So we should see more adoption of that messaging, that approach, that mentality over time. And I also think we're just going to get a lot faster, a lot better, and a lot more seamless at how we're delivering this stuff. I like to think that AI is going to be the part of everything, but what I'm really interested to see is how fast the composable commerce technology vendors are adopting AI because their technology is actually ready to integrate with new things. That to me is a really strong proof point of if they can adopt that quickly, then only think about what they're going to do in the next four or five years of roadmap and capabilities. Thomas, thank you so much for joining Millennium Live and giving me and our audience a rundown of composable commerce and this customer data and retail platform engineering that Orium is really making headway on and and overall how we're accelerating digital transformation for that retail e-commerce. I'm excited to see where this technology is going and how it's going to shape retail in the future. So thank you so much for joining the podcast and and taking the time out of your, your busy schedule. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. 